right, today we are, we started the book over a few weeks ago and we're on There's a Solution. And we, uh, I had a handout last week, I hope that was helpful, kind of looking at the, the process involved and uh, what we're trying, to, what the big book's trying to do. Uh, we're on page 20. Uh, there's a solution. The chapter starts out with the example of the shipwrecked passengers who rescued, right? And they have a common peril, which is everybody in this room, everybody said they're an alcoholic, right? So we have a common peril. But that won't hold us together because, like Joe and Charlie made the point, that's human power. It's powerful, but it's not enough power to, uh, for us to uh, recover from alcoholism and we need access to God's power and we need a relationship with God in our life and that's the second part which is the uh, cement that binds us is this solution on which they all agree page 18 17 and then the book is going to talk now before it gets to 25 where it shows us a solution it's going to talk about uh, some general statements about uh, alcoholism and then about what's wrong with us as alcoholics. And the, the way the book's written in these few pages is a little different than the way it's written and how it works. And I'll point that out to you because they're trying to grab the reader. Remember that there weren't any meetings when this book was written. They're trying to grab the reader and help you identify with, with these people and see if you have what they had and then you'll do what they did. And so it says on page 20, and this is a really powerful paragraph, um, it says, you may have already asked yourself why it is that all of us became so very ill from drinking. So you get this book, they were going to mail it to people, you're reading it, and you're, you're reading about Bill, and you're an alcoholic, and your life is a mess, and you can't quit drinking. And it says, doubtless, you're curious to discover how and why in the face of expert opinion to the contrary, we have recovered from a hopeless condition of mind and body. Now, the expert opinion at that time was that we were hopeless, right? The book hadn't been written. Uh, we're gonna read about in this chapter where Dr. Young gave us the solution and he said it was a phenomenon where people would have these spiritual uh, experiences, a rearrangement of their personality. But nobody knew how to achieve that, and uh, many people didn't believe that was possible. And so when this book was written, there was very little hope for us. And it says they have recovered from a hopeless condition of mind and body. So when you're recovered from a hopeless condition of mind and body, what does that mean? It means you're not ho you don't have a hopeless condition of mind and body. And if you, and what makes us as alcoholics not have a hopeless condition of mind and body? When we have a relationship with God and we can see the truth about alcohol and we can see the truth about our, our thoughts and we've been restored to sanity. And remember, we're going to read that. Uh, we've read it and studied it on page 85 many times, but that's a fragile condition when you're not hopeless. And it's based upon being in fit spiritual condition. So if you're in fit spiritual condition, you will be, react sanely and normally. Now to get in fit spiritual condition, you have to do everything 
from 20 up to page 85. And if you follow those directions and then you live in page 84 to 88, then you'll stay in fit spiritual condition. That's how the book's laid out. There's no other solution. So they said if you're an alcoholic who wants to get over it, anybody here want to get over it? You may already be asking, what do I have to do? Isn't that a great question? Have you ever met a new guy and he comes up to you and he says, what do I have to do? He's always telling you what he's willing to do or he's going to do, but he doesn't ask you what he has to do. And, and uh, Sandy Beach makes this point that there's really only one question that you're supposed to ask when you come into AA. And that question is, what do I do next? Because when you ask that, it means I don't have a plan that works. I don't know what's best for me. My alcoholic mind is not going to fix this condition. And I need direction and guidance from somebody who's not me. And that's that surrender Gary was talking about. So what do I have to do? Well, look at this line. It's, it's hidden in the book. It says, it's the purpose of this book to answer such questions specifically. Specifically, they're going to tell us what, do they, what they actually did. Now, you don't have to do it, but they strongly suggest that you do it. And it's specific instructions. They're going to give you specific instructions. They're not going to say, well, you might want to do this, or, you know, uh, they're going to give you specific directions, and that's why we study the book. And then when you get the specific directions, like Gary said, and you know them, you study them, and you meditate on them, and then you'll do them, you'll be surprised how your life will change. So it says, we will tell you what we have done. So you can't argue with the book. A lot of people don't like the book. They don't like the way it's written. You know, you hear all sorts of stuff. Uh, we're alcoholics. But it says, what they had done, you can't argue with what they did. It's their experience. And that's why this is such a powerful book. And then they're telling you, if you do specifically what we did, you tell us the result. And Gary told us the result tonight, and Anna told us the result. And that's the powerful message that we want to carry to the new person. Do this and look at the result. Does this make sense? It says, and then they're going to summarize some points. So now they're going to talk a little bit about the obsession in mind, the allergy of the body. How many times people have said this, I could take it or leave it alone, why can't he? Why don't you drink like a gentleman or quit? That fellow can't handle his liquor. Why don't you try beer and wine? Lay off the hard stuff. His willpower must be weak. They go on and on. He could stop if he wanted to. She's such a sweet girl, I should think he'd stop for her sake. Here's the best one. The doctor told him that if he ever drank again, it would kill him. But there he is all in up again. Now, the people who say that, they don't have what we have. So they don't understand. And it says, now these are commonplace observations on drinkers, which we hear all the time. Now they say back of them is a world of ignorance and misunderstanding. And, and it's not that they, they're mean or they don't understand this. And in fact, alcoholism was not anything to be proud of. And it may not be today, but at least we have a solution. And we have AA and we have the book and so it's changed the way people see alcoholics who actually go to AA. You never hear AA disrespected. You never hear anybody, people are always afraid for people to hear they're in AA, but I don't know anybody who's ever said they're going to AA and people didn't respect them. Because it takes a lot of humility to come here. It takes a lot of humility to admit complete defeat. 
and and it says we see these expressions refer to people whose reactions are very different from ours. Now they're going to talk about moderate drinkers have little trouble in giving up liquor entirely if they have a good reason for it. In fact, they don't even have trouble not finishing the bottle. They wave over their glasses. You've seen that people wave and they say they've had enough. You know, they stir the drinks and. Uh, so moderate drinkers, they could take it or leave it alone. So if they could take it or leave it alone, then it has no power over them, right? They have the power to take it or leave it alone. Then there's a certain type of hard drinker. He may have the habit badly enough to gradually impair him physically and mentally. It may cause him to die a few years before his time. If a sufficiently strong reason, ill health, I like this falling in love, change of environment, where the warning of a doctor becomes operative, this man can also stop or moderate, although he may find it difficult and troublesome and may even need medical attention. Now, I've heard some people say that AA has some hard drinkers in here, and they come here and they quit drinking and they're very happy and they love AA and it works for them. But, um, uh, and I've also heard people come and they don't work the steps and some of them are proud of it and they uh, tell you how long they're sober, and they may just be hard drinkers. I don't know what they have. But um, a hard drinker has the choice not to drink. They can make the choice based upon information not to drink again. So they say, you're going to die, your liver's swollen, you have cirrhosis, don't drink again. They can process that information, and then when the idea of a drink comes up, they could say, bad idea and they can stop. But what about the real alcoholic? He may start off as a moderate drinker. He may, not or may or may not become a continuous hard drinker. It doesn't matter how much you drank or uh, what you drank, but what happens to all alcoholics at some stage of your drinking career, he begins to lose all control of his liquor consumption once he starts to drink. So alcoholics have this ability, inability to control how much they drink. Anybody relate to that in this room? They call this the allergy of the body. We are allergic to alcohol. We have an abnormal reaction. We cannot control how much we drink. Now, that's a really bad thing, isn't it? Yes. It means you can't drink. So the solution, obviously, is not to drink again, right? And we're going to look at that on the next page. So they talk about, here's the fellow who's been puzzling you, especially his lack of control. Now, I think this paragraph reads to me like it's written differently than the rest of the book. See what you think. He does absurd, incredible, tragic things while drinking. And I think the reason is, is they're focusing now on what happens after you drink because you can't control how much you drink. Anybody do tragic things? Mm -hmm. He's a real Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, Mr. Hyde. Seldom mildly intoxicated, always more or less insanely drunk. He, now, I don't know about this. His disposition while drinking resembles his normal nature, but a little. I think they're really trying to emphasize how bad it is for alcoholics when you drink. Uh, because I think our nature sometimes when we're not drinking is, is not the best either. He may be one of the finest fellows in the world, but they're trying to contrast the personality without liquor versus with liquor. And 
And it says, let him drink for a day and he frequently becomes disgustingly and even dangerously antisocial. He has a positive genius for getting tight at exactly the wrong moment, particularly when some important decision must be made or engagement kept. He is often perfectly, now I don't know about this, he's perfectly sensible and well-balanced concerning everything except liquor. And you see, that, that's inconsistent with page 62 and 63, right, for those who study the book. But what they're trying to get at to the person reading it for the first time is that when you drink, nothing good happens if you're an alcoholic. You cannot control it, and you don't know what's going to happen. You can't predict. You can't say, I'm going to go in and have a few drinks. The next day, you're in your car. You're in a different city. You're in a hotel room with someone you don't even know their name. Weird things happen. Mm -hmm. He possesses, here's another one. He, he possesses special abilities, skills, and aptitudes and has a promising career ahead of him. He uses his gifts to build up a bright outlook for his family and himself and then pulls the structure down his head by a senseless series of sprees. So they're trying to say that you can be great, your life can be perfect, but then once you put a drink alcohol, you can ruin it. Here's a fellow who goes to bed so intoxicated he ought to sleep the clock around. Yet early next morning, he searches madly for the bottle he misplaced the night before. Did anybody hide booze in their house? Yes. I do. Anybody hide booze? <laughs> well, not the people who live by themselves, but <laughs> even people who live by themselves hid the booze. Yeah. See, you know how you can tell you're an alcoholic if you hide a legal substance. See, alcohol is a legal substance. Why would you hide a legal substance? But alcoholics do it because <laughs> we 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 don't want to run out. It says, he may have liquor concealed all over his house to be certain no one gets his entire supply away from him to throw down the waste pipe. Anybody come back from treatment, come home and find booze hidden around the place? That's usually pretty common. As matters grow worse, he begins to use a combination of high-powered sedative and liquor to quiet his nerves so he can go to work. Then comes the day when he simply cannot make it and gets drunk all over again. Now here, there's a point, he simply cannot make it. He simply cannot live sober and he drinks again. You see, they're starting to give you a hint of the, the spiritual malady. Why, why can't he make it? Perhaps he goes to a doctor, gives him morphine or some sedative, which puts the taper off. Then he begins to appear in hospitals and sanitariums. And remember, the, they're writing this book for people who were at the end. The people they dealt with, the people who uh, came they in the beginning were people who were in asylums. They were not functioning anymore. Their lives were just completely over in terms of any useful kind of existence. These were people at the end of the line. This by no means a comprehensive picture of the true alcoholic as our behavior patterns vary, but this description should identify him roughly. So what they're trying to say is, if you're an alcoholic, if you, if you have this problem with not having any control how much you drink, why would you ever drink? Nothing good's going to happen. You don't even know what's going to happen, right? And they're making that point. So he, they say, why does he behave like this? If hundreds of experiences have shown him that one drink meets another debacle with all its attendant suffering and humiliation, why is it that he takes the first drink? So now they're getting to the crux of the problem. Why, if you know you can't control how much you drink and bad things happen every time you drink, why would you think that one drink's going to be okay? You see, that's, that's the question. Anybody ever 
drink sober? Anybody here ever sober take a drink? When you knew it wasn't a bad idea an hour before, you knew it was a bad idea. Anybody know that? See, the alcoholic right before he drinks must think it's okay or he wouldn't do it. And that's the, that's the problem we have. We have a, a problem wrong with our mind. They're going to get to that. Why doesn't willpower work if you swear you're not going to drink at 10 o'clock and you're drinking at 11? Why didn't willpower work? Because willpower won't work if you can't see the truth about it. So right before you take that drink sober and you're an alcoholic, your mind must tell you it's okay. And if it tells you, tells you it's okay, willpower will not work. And that's, what's, that's the problem. And remember, whenever there's a conflict between emotions and the intellect, the emotions always win. So when your intellect says, I'm not going to drink today, and your emotions build up, and you get that obsession of the mind, you have no power not to do that. Now they're going to talk about if hundreds of experiences have shown him that one drink means another debacle with all its attendant suffering and humiliation, why is it that he takes one drink? Why can't he stay in the water wagon? As it accrues a few years ago, and they were doing the toast, and it's, it's an all-you-can-drink thing. Uh, uh, I, I never really noticed the booze. It, it's not part of my life. But they had the toast, and, and they asked me at the table, why I wasn't going to have the toast. I said, well, I don't know. Here's, here's my thoughts, I told him. I said, you know, I look pretty good. I seem like a nice guy. If I take this, this uh, toast, I may be okay tonight. But I don't know. But I won't be okay tomorrow. <laughs> and then I don't know. I may not make it off the ship. Or if I have this toast, I may not make it back to my room. Well, that was a conversation stopper. And so, and then they're looking, they're looking at their drinks, you know. And, but, you know, I was nice about it. I said, you know, I just, I have lost the, uh, the uh, opportunity to enjoy alcohol. It's not part of my life. And everybody respects that. Now, I did uh, go on a cruise where I didn't drink, and this one guy, uh, the last night of the cruise, he sat and he said, you know, I haven't drank for four days. Now, people who have a problem with alcohol, who don't have a problem with alcohol, don't tell you they haven't drank for four right. days. <laughs> and he and his wife were having the wine at lunch and the wine in the room and the this and that. And I didn't judge him. I said, well, you know, if it's, if it's a problem for you not to drink, I've got a book you could read. And I, I know someplace you could go to get help. And so uh, I talked to him the next day, and I, uh, I uh, told him about AA and, and the book. And uh, maybe it helped him. Why can't he stay in the water wagon? Now, here's what has become of common sense and willpower. Common sense and willpower he displays with respect to other matters. Now, here it is. Perhaps there never will be a full answer to these questions. Opinions vary considerably as to why the alcoholic reacts differently from normal people. We are not sure why. Once a certain point is reached, little can be done for him. Look at the words here. Little can be done for somebody who's reached this point. We cannot answer the riddle. We know that while the alcoholic keeps away from drink as he may do for months or years, he reacts much like other men. I'm not sure what that statement really means. 
You know what I'm saying? If you read it, I, I'm not really sure. What it means is that is that um, is that if he doesn't put alcohol in his body, he won't have the problem of alcohol in his body, and he won't have problems with it. We are equally positive that once he takes any alcohol, whatever into his system, something happens, both in the bodily and mentally sense, which makes it first virtually impossible for him to stop. The experience of any alcoholic will abundantly confirm this. So this is page 23 in the big book. So they have page 23 pages plus doctor's opinion to convince the reader that they cannot put alcohol in their body and have a good result. So if you're convinced of that, you're trying, they're trying to see if you have their experience. And then it helps to read it in the first page, person. You could say, I'm equally positive once I put alcohol into my system, something happens which makes it virtually impossible for me to stop. Is this my experience? So this is a good question if you're working with somebody new. You read these couple paragraphs and you ask them. You say, is this your experience? Now, if it's not their experience, it's not their experience. But if it's their experience, then you say, well, let's, let's read on. Because now they're going to talk about choice. They're going to talk about the mind. Because the two problems of alcoholism are control and choice. These observations would be academic and pointless if our friend never took the first drink, thereby setting the terrible cycle in motion. Remember, I, you guys are all young, but wasn't it Nancy Reagan says, don't just say no? Yeah, just say no. And sometimes it's misinterpreted because people in AA said we just don't drink. Well, that's true, but we don't have any power on our own to follow through on that. It says, therefore, the main problem of the alcoholic centers in his mind rather than his body. If you ask him why I started on that last bender, the chances are he will offer you any one of a hundred alibis. Now remember, if, if the problem centers in your mind, your mind is not going to be able to fix this. Whatever you think your way out of this, it's not going to work because it's, it's, it's in your mind. And so your plan or whatever you think is going to work, is, it's, it's, it's not going to do it. If you ask him why he started on that last bender, the chances are he will offer you any one of a hundred alibis. Sometimes these excuses have a certain plausibility, but none of them really make sense in the light of the havoc an alcoholic's drinking bout creates. They sound like the philosophy of man who having uh, a headache beats himself on the head with a hammer so that he can't feel the ache. If you draw this fallacious reasoning to the attention of an alcoholic, he will laugh it off or become irritated and refuse to talk. Now, I'd really like to read one, two, three, four more paragraphs because they're very important. So I hope that'll be okay. It says, once in a while he may tell the truth. And the truth, strange to say, is usually there's no more idea why I took that first drink than you have. Were any, anybody here perplexed why you kept drinking? It, it's very perplexing after a while, and it causes it causes demoralization. Remember, well, you just it says, but in their hearts they really do not know why they do it. Once this malady, this illness, has a real hold, they're baffled. There is the obsession somehow, someday they will beat the game, but they often suspect they're down for the count. Now, as long as you have the obsession that you're going to beat the game, we can't help you, right? And how true this is, few realize. In a vague way, their families and friends sense that these drinkers are abnormal, 
Everybody hopefully awaits the day when the sufferer will rouse himself from his lethargy and assert his power of will. But here's, here's what follows. The tragic truth is that if the man be a real alcoholic, the happy day may not arrive. He has lost control. And at a certain point in the drinking of every alcoholic, he passes into a state, now listen to this, where the most powerful desire to stop drinking is of absolutely no avail. And it says this tragic situation has already arrived in practically every case long before it is suspected. Now, a lot of people say, what is your drug of choice? But really, it's your drug of no choice. We have no choice to drink or not. Alcohol is our drug of no choice. If we had a choice and I had the power not to drink, I would do it. And we never have the power of choice. And remember what I've said many times at this meeting, the only choice we have each day is whether we seek the power that gives us the choice. But on our own, I never, I don't have the choice today. But I've, I've, I've sought God, I've, I've meditated, I'm seeking him to come into my life, and today I don't feel like I have to drink right now. Does this make sense? And it says, the tragic situation has already arrived in practically every case long before it is suspected. So in other words, we, we know we can't drink, and we've lost the ability to choose long before we, we, we finally give up for most of us. But here's the most important paragraph. It's in italics and swigging writing in the book. And, and the, this paragraph is actually written in too nice a way because it, it really says that if you're an alcoholic, you're going to die. But what they say is the fact is that most alcoholics, for reasons yet obscure, have lost the power of choice in drink. And it doesn't matter what the reasons, you've lost the power of choice. Our so-called willpower becomes practically non-existent. Remember, if you can't see what's wrong with it right before you do it, you can't stop from doing it. And we are unable at certain times to bring into our consciousness with sufficient force the memory of the suffering and humiliation of even a week and a month ago. Now here's, I've heard this is another thing that kills alcoholics. They think at certain times they're going to be able to bring into their mind that humiliation and they're going to know when that certain time comes. But you don't know when that certain time is going to come and you don't, won't be able to bring it to consciousness. Consciousness awakened. You cannot be awakened to the spirit to see the truth. You're without defense against the first drink. What this tells you is if you have what these people have, you're going to drink again. And that's a pretty powerful statement. Now I'm going to end there. And then next week we're going to look. Notice on page 24 it has this paragraph. And on page 25, look at the line there in italics. There's a solution. So here they're showing you, you have no defense against the next drink. And on the next page, they show you there's a solution. So this is the beginning of hope if you're the alcoholic and you're reading this. Very powerful the way it's written. And to, next week, we're going to look at these two pages and see how they relate. So I'm sorry I went a little long, but this is really uh, key stuff in the book.